0: On Saturday, May 14th, an armed 18-year-old white man killed 10 people and injured three others at a Buffalo, New York grocery store. Almost all of the victims were black. A manifesto written by the shooter who traveled more than three hours to commit these egregious acts reveals the attack was racially motivated. Police are now investigating the shooting as a hate crime. Professor Janine Bell a nationally recognized scholar on the subject of policing and hate crimes at the IU Maurer School of Law, says she's not surprised by the tragic incident.
1: I'm not surprised in part because I'm a hate crime scholar and I've watched incidents happen around the country in recent years. And this is sadly more of what's to come, I feel.
0: In her expert legal opinion, Bell says that the shooting provides a textbook example of what constitutes a hate crime.
1: This is absolutely a hate crime. Hate crimes are crimes motivated by bias on the basis of race, religion, city, sexual orientation, the precise categories, and that means race, etc., are categories. They're not groups. That's something that's quite important. So this is a classic hate crime, and we know this in part because of the defendant's manifesto and live streaming of the event. It's important to note that anyone can be a victim of a a hate crime. Hate crime statutes have categories. Listed race, religion, sexual orientation, the precise categories vary by statute. And that means that anyone, for instance, who has a race can be victimized by hate crime. And I've seen victims of every background in the more than 25 years I've been studying this. That gives all of us an incentive to try to address this violence.
0: The shooter had visited white supremacist websites prior to the incident and was an adherent to the so-called Great Replacement Theory. According to the National Immigration Forum, the Great Replacement Theory states that, quote, welcoming immigration policies, particularly those impacting non-white immigrants, are part of a plot designed to undermine or replace the political power and culture of white people living in Western countries, end quote. Bell touched on the rise of white supremacy and how these hateful viewpoints have the ability to thrive in today's media landscape.
1: First of all, it's important to note that the great replacement theory is something that's not new. It's a long, you know, old white supremacist approach and view So it's something that's not new, but the current environment with respect to social media, the space for these views has absolutely allowed the views to proliferate and adherence of these extreme views to find each other. Say, you know, with white supremacists in Bloomington, they might not know each other existed, um, and they might have to go to other locations. The Internet creates the space for them to find each other, for white supremacists to find each other.
0: Bell speculates that rulings like the not guilty verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and other dog whistling to white supremacists by elected officials and media personalities have emboldened white supremacists to commit the atrocious acts seen in recent days. Bell explained that this sort of apathy towards white supremacist violence sets a harmful precedent that normalizes hate.
1: I think that the result in the Rittenhouse trial and the not guilty verdict in that context and the dog whistle by politicians and by individuals as part of the media absolutely suggest to extremists that their beliefs are acceptable and that they should go out and continue to express views and do things in keeping with views that are really counter to American ideals of inclusivity, etc.
0: The United States has a long history of white supremacist violence. Bell described the similarities and differences in the form of white supremacy seen today versus white supremacist violence in the days of Emmett Till or other racially motivated killings seen in the past.
1: One big difference is that in the past, mob violence was a huge force, right? Lynchings, for instance, often involved entire communities watching, present as Black bodies lay swinging from ropes, now white supremacists, whose organizations may be sued and bankrupted by lawsuits, have adopted a lone wolf approach to violence such that they say, listen, this is our ideology, but... You are to engage in this behavior on your own.
0: Bell says she's not sure what can be done when it comes to policy or even on a societal level to prevent such horrifying acts from happening in the future. However, she says addressing the issue is the first step in any tangible change moving forward.
1: We don't know whether we can prevent them, but. We might spend more time actually addressing them. So the vast majority of law enforcement agencies in the United States do not even investigate hate crime. So the most recent FBI report, more than 80% of law enforcement agencies suggested that not a single hate crime occurred in their jurisdiction. That suggests that they are doing nothing. And that's the way that most community police departments approach hate crime. We can't even talk about ending this sort of violence if we're not even doing very much at all to address it. So that's the start, I think.
0: The Buffalo community continues to mourn in the aftermath of such hate and tragedy, that has befallen that community, Bell offered some words of solace for the victims and the community of Buffalo in the wake of the devastation.
1: I think that the community of Buffalo needs to come together and not just the African-American community, but the community as a whole needs to reach out to African Americans in the community and say, listen, this is not something that we support. And moreover, we will redouble our efforts to address individuals in the community who express these sorts of views before they get to this particular extent. So that, I think, is the way that the community in Buffalo can best respond and recover to the extent they can from an incident like this.
0: For WFHB News, I'm Cade Young.